Hello, thank you for joining me. You're listening to the Profitable Content Marketing Show. Today's guest is none other than my fellow Maltese resident, Matthew Kimberley. Matthew is the head of the Book Yourself Solid Worldwide. He's also the author of Get a Fucking Grip. He's the creator of Delightful Emails and the School of Selling. In this episode, we talk about getting more clients, more specifically, how to prepare the foundations to begin marketing. Let's dive right in. Hello, Matthew. Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? I am so good. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. And it's so nice to be talking to somebody who's just around the corner. Yes, it feels a little bit strange to be so so close and yet online. <laughs> I know. And so frequently I'm, uh, and, and also a time of day that's convenient for both of us. It's wonderful. Yes, that can be hard sometimes. <laughs> right. So I was quite, um, quite intrigued. I know that a lot of uh, of the people in my audience want to know more about who you are and what you do first. But I'd like you to start from something that I spotted in the in the form that took me by surprise, and that is your first job. You were a juggler? <laughs> ah, yes. So going back, back in the day, I was a street performer. So uh, around the age of uh, 14, 13 or 14, I had learned how to juggle when I was at school. And my uh, dad, of course, didn't give me any pocket money because this was back in the middle ages in the United Kingdom. And I, he said, if you want money, go out and work for it. I thought, well, what could I possibly do age 14? I tried all the traditional stuff like washing cars and chopping logs and knocking uh-huh. uh, on people's doors and asked them if they needed any odd jobs doing. And I was just useless at that. Uh, but I thought I could juggle. So I took my uh, juggling gear into the streets, little town I used to live in, and uh, threw my hat on the floor and I started to juggle and people would occasionally throw money in the hat. And I thought, well, if they're occasionally throwing money in the hat, is there anything I can do to make them throw money in the hat more frequently? And so I asked them, I put my hat on the ground and I said, would you please put some money in the hat if you're enjoying the show? And (laughs) believe it or not, Stephanie, that was when I fell in love with selling and you just ask people to give you money and sometimes they will. But if you don't ask, they don't always. How fascinating, how fascinating. I love, I will have to, um, next time, ask you to bring a few balls and do a bit of juggling for us. Well, it has, it has been done. It has been done. In fact, I think you and I met at uh, Chris Ducker event in uh, London. We did. We met at Upreneur. And it was at one of Chris Ducker's events in the Philippines where I did juggle. And uh, I, that was the last time I juggled. It was at least five years ago. It was the last time I juggled in public. So perhaps we'll have to arrange something here. And perhaps when, when this pandemic is over, we can all get together again and have some fun. <laughs> Great. So how did that lead on to the, you know, you getting into selling? Well, it was really my first exposure to it. And I, I, what, I, what I appreciated more than anything was being in control of my own income. So I realized that in exchange for some sweat and some patter and some banter, uh, I could earn money. And there was a direct correlation between how hard I worked, how smart I worked, and how much money I earned. And that was really the interesting thing for me. And, and when all my friends were applying to university, I said, no, I want to go and work. I'm really interested in, in hitting the marketplace. And, uh, and that's what I did. I, I ended up traveling the world and um, very often it's easy to find a sales job. I was in Malta, I don't know if you know this, 2003, before mm-hmm. Malta joined the European Union. 
And it was very difficult to get a job because you needed a work permit and I didn't have a university degree. Uh -huh. But of course, the timeshare organizations here were very happy to give me a job. They probably employed me in the black, uh, was certainly paid into an offshore bank account. Um, but if you could sell, you had a job. And that tended to be my experience in life. You know, I went from selling entertainment services on the street to selling double glazing appointments on the telephone probably a year and a half later. I, I didn't do that for long. I, I made more money juggling on the street. Um, and then door-to-door -door sales and timeshare sales and then recruitment sales and now selling sales sales you know uh, people often ask me so i was a sales trainer for a long time i wouldn't call myself a sales trainer anymore but i was for a long time and people would say well isn't isn't a sales trainer just a, a failed sales person <laughs> and i think there is some truth in that yeah sometimes unless you're a self-employed sales trainer because if you're a self-employed sales trainer you have to sell your, yourself like day in day out so uh, if you're an employed sales trainer maybe but there's different set of skills you know sometimes it's true that those who can't do teach and sometimes it's true that those who can't teach do that's true that's true or you do both <laughs> and some people can do both for sure which is which is the best the best thing excellent so so how did you then transition into what you do now i was having a miserable time at work i was in recruitment uh running my own company living in brussels hated it uh hated it hated it and but enjoyed sales and enjoyed training my sales people so i said i'm going to become a sales trainer and i got an email from michael port who created the book yourself solid system not a personal email i was on his email list and it said hey would you like to become a, a, a book yourself solid coach and if you're a book yourself solid coach, then you can take my methodology, the book yourself solid system, and you can sell it to your clients. So it was like a turnkey coaching opportunity. Um, I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I had an opportunity to resell something that was proven and really hit the ground running from that point onwards. I, I, I jacked in my recruitment company. I, I left. I gave it, gave it to my partner. Uh, my, my business partner at the time and never looked back and the recruitment company is still running um, neither me nor the original business partner are, are still involved in it but um, it's, it's still there somewhere in, in Belgium providing IT services to uh, banks and pharmaceutical companies and things like that but I'm much happier doing what I'm doing now excellent so you mentioned the book yourself solids I remember reading that book I think when we when we set up the agency in 2008 and I think it had been around for quite a while then. So how has it evolved these days? What's what's changed and, you know, what does the Book Yourself Solid system do today? Well, you know, really, the, the system hasn't changed because the system was built upon a set of fundamental principles uh, in the first. It's a, it was a book originally. So the book was published, I think, in 2000, written in 2004, published 2005, 2006. And um, there was some stuff that dated in there, like we talked about sendoutcards.com, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. But there were some technology recommendations, some software recommendations. It was really it came out before social media. And it was really created before the internet was a thing. So there was, in subsequent editions, there were changes to be made until the final couple of editions. It's on this fifth edition now. The final couple, uh, fourth edition, sorry. The final couple of editions, we just said that we can't recommend specific software anymore. You can't say use 
MySpace to get fans or use Google Plus to increase your search rankings. It just meant that the book was very quickly irrelevant. So we did what we always did best, which was focus on the fundamentals, which is that marketing doesn't get you clients. Marketing, whatever you do, whether you're using MySpace or Weibo or whatever that is, that's not what's going to get you clients. What's going to get you clients is having a very deep understanding of the needs and desires of your marketplace, of your target market, uh, and speaking very directly and relevantly to them and giving them opportunities to make investments in you based upon their needs and trust levels in you. So we focus on the essential stuff because the better you do, the better you lay the foundations, the better you understand your market, the better you understand what they want, the easier it is to sell to them and the easier it is to market to them because marketing is just about relevancy. Marketing is, is saying, hey, I understand the target market. So I'm going to target my marketing to this group of people. Absolutely. Uh, I deal with a small section of that. So I basically I'm teaching people, you know, how to create the content and how to blog sort of on a, on literally on a one-to-one -one or a small group level. And I do have a number of people that actually come into the program without clarity. And sometimes it can be really, really hard to get people to find clarity uh, without pushing them, if you know what I mean. So do you have any recommendations when it comes to, you know, let's say if there's anybody out there listening right now who, you know, maybe has just started working as a coach, um, but they're working with different people and they really need to find this focus so that they can lay, you know, strong foundations, like you mentioned, what would their steps be? What, what, could, they, what could they start with? Well, in my experience, people get it ass backwards. They, they work, first of all, on what they're going to be like. I want to be this person. They look at the branding. Branding is important. Uh, and it can be done independently of everything else. You, you know, you shouldn't adapt your brand to suit the target market. It's more like dating. You should find a target market that resonates with your brand and vice versa. <laughs> um, but very often I see people completely forget to do the market research. They start with, oh, I've got a friend who's a killer coach. Um, their website is blue and pink. So I want my website to be blue and pink. Their copy is really familiar and informal. So I want my copy to be really familiar and informal. Their Instagram feed is full of stories where they're dancing around, pointing at pictures, uh, words that come up. And so I want to do that. Um, and they put marketing first and marketing should come last it should come last and also i think if you if you try to market before you can sell you're making a massive mistake you're making a massive error because marketing gives you leads leads are, are people who've raised their hand and said i'm happy to be sold to and if you can't do i can give you a thousand leads but if you don't know what to do with them what's the point of the leads the argument of course also exists that well how can you practice selling if you don't have any clients um, but I think we need to adopt a slightly different approach to marketing. I'll use this example that I always use because I think it illustrates it really well. I had a client who came to see me and she wanted to start a yoga practice. She was a yoga teacher and she said, right, I've got this plan. I want to make lots of money as a yoga teacher and today I'm not making any money. And I've seen um, what people are doing with Instagram and I want to do this with Instagram to get myself clients. I said, okay, well, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Um, what's the goal here? And she said, well, I want to make a living as a yoga teacher. I said, okay, fine. 
So who's your target market? She said, well, people on Instagram. I said, okay, well, then let's, let's scratch that. Let's, let's try something very different. If your goal is to make money, my job for you as a sales trainer and business coach is to help you find, especially in, at the pre-revenue stage where there is zero revenue, zero proof of concept, never made a sale. We need to get you practicing selling. And she said, well, how do I sell if I can't market? I said, well, you can market. The trouble is you don't have the resources available to you to market with a, with a megaphone. You don't have the equipment to fill the stadium. You don't have the, the right. fleet of trawlers to send out into the ocean with nets that are kilometers wide to scoop up all the little fish. You have a fishing rod because that's all you can carry because you haven't got any money, you haven't got a marketing department, you haven't got an experience, you don't even have a headshot. Um, but you do have a fishing rod. So we need to find a very densely packed, very small pond that's absolutely full of fish. A barrel, if you like. We need to go shoot fish in a barrel. I said, so do this instead. She had kids who were primary school. I said, uh, when you go to pick up your kids tomorrow, uh, go in your yoga gear, put on your Lululemons and, and show up at the school gates and, uh, and just see what happens. And she said, well, I'm going to do that anyway. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, but do it wearing your yoga gear. And of course, what happened? And I said, if anybody asks you what you're wearing, tell them that you're a yoga teacher. And so, of course, the inevitable happened. She showed up, she smiles, she makes eye contact. People say, have you been to a yoga class? And she said, no, actually, I'm a yoga teacher. And she picked up her first client there and then the very next day Brilliant. because they said, oh, that's interesting. Um, when's your next class? And she's like, no, uh, tomorrow. So she signed up. Her first, and then, of course, the next day, they both came to the school gates in their yoga gear. Of course. <laughs> and then there's another conversation. The other mums are like, who's the yoga teacher? Who's running these yoga classes? And then the days that she doesn't show up, they're talking about her. That's right. And, <laughs> but it's a virus. You really want your R number to be higher than one. Right. While we're talking That's viral right. terms, you want your R number to be greater than one in order that your message spreads without you. And the only way to do that is if you get into an elevator and sneeze. Right. You need to get into a packed elevator and sneeze so that your message goes out there, not jump on Instagram and try to catch people when they're going scroll, 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 scroll. So I think that's the way that people who are pre-revenue coaches who don't have any money, that's how you start. You that's go how you start. Absolutely. Super, you know, door to door in the same neighborhood 300 times. Um, and of course, you can use the internet for that. You don't have to do it in person. Of course, you can do it. But you shouldn't be going on Facebook groups for entrepreneurs. You should be going on Facebook groups for Etsy store owners who live in a very small suburb of Manchester. And you show up there a thousand times because then when you've got the resources, you can expand to a different market. That's right. So you go, you're going for a very small barrel, as you called it, as small and as niche as you can. Very interesting. I, I like the way you described the whole, the whole process. And how, how would you go about, you know, for instance, niching? You know, if somebody, okay, this teacher, for instance, was a yoga teacher, but, you know, do you ever come across people who are looking at niching or maybe trying to pick a niche? When you say niche, uh, Stephanie, do you mean a group of people or a specific area of expertise? Yeah, no, that's interesting because, you know, usually they don't even know whether they're going to 
pick that kind of niche. It could be it could be any of the two, really. Well, we say in Book Yourself Solid, we have clear definitions for these. So your target market is the group of people who you serve. The niche is your specialization in what you do. So if you were a yoga teacher, your niche might be Bikram or your niche might be pregnancy yoga. But your target market might be pregnant ladies who live in London, right? Um, if you are a surgeon, your target market would be uh, patients who have private healthcare who live in this neighborhood and go to this hospital, but your speciality might be, I don't know, cosmetic surgery, right? So that's your niche. Your niche is really your speciality. And I think what we're really looking for is uh, experts get paid more, right? If we take the medical example here in Malta, just recently, I had a problem with my back. So I went to see my GP and I gave my GP, what is it? 15 euros, 20 euros for a visit. 10, I can't, I can't remember. It was, it was a very small amount of money. It was like 10, 15 euros for a five minute consultation. Okay. You go to the pharmacy, you drop in, the GP sees you, you have a personal relationship with him and he knows who to refer you to. So I paid him 50, let's say it was 15 euros for a visit. Um, the next visit I went to do was with a neurologist and the neurologist charged me 75 euros for a consultation because the neurologist had a specialization or a niche and therefore you know, the, the, the sharper your focus, the, the more incisive you are, the more damage you do, the more you can charge. Uh, although that's probably a bad example for a neurologist to do any damage at all. But she then referred me to have um, uh, some tests. And so I had to go and see a specialist operator. The specialist operator operated a tool called an EMG, electromagnetic something or other. Um, and that involved skills and special materials and that consultation cost 300 euros i also had to go for an mri now the mri operator obviously has an enormous a very rare set of skills access to very very specific resources the in this case the mri machine and i don't even know how much that cost because it was so much that the insurance company settled it directly uh, they just they just said don't you know don't worry you don't pay for that we pay for that okay i then went back to the neurologist and i showed her my results she interpreted the results she said you don't need surgery i don't know how much that would have cost multiples and multiples of thousands because you would have needed a, a, a specialist neurological surgeon to cut my legs open and, and <laughs> recontract my nerves so niching gets you paid more it also makes you more relevant now sometimes um however the problem is that people lead with the niche people lead with the vehicle when they talk about what they do for example if you're a reiki practitioner i don't know if you know what reiki is but it, oh yes it's, I it's, do. okay so it's an alternative if you're listening to this and you yeah. don't know what reiki is you're in good company i have a very vague understanding <laughs> of what reiki is right but i understand it's an alternative healing holistic type of therapy um, which involves channeling energy flows around the body and, and, and similar um, very often when i meet people and i take the reiki healer as an example i say what do you do they say oh i do reiki and i don't know what that means so i can't ask any i can might say well, what does that mean but that's a mistake they're leading with the niche they're leading with the label they're leading with the speciality um, now, that can work when you know that you are talking to a sophisticated audience. 
or a sophisticated lead, right? But we like to run our how to talk about what you do statements through something called the supermarket checkout line test, which means if you're standing in the supermarket checkout line and anybody asks you whether they're five years old or 85 years old, what do you do for a living? You can give an answer that they understand and can refer people to you for. So a Reiki practitioner, instead of saying, I do Reiki, the five-year-old is going to go, what's a Reiki? And the 85-year-old is going to say, yeah, what is a Reiki? Uh, whereas if you say, oh, I help people with stress and I don't know what Reiki here was, hot flushes. I help people with stress and hot flushes. Oh, well, you should speak to my mum because she's always stressed. 85-year-old, yeah, you should speak to my daughter because she's going through menopause or has hot flushes or something like that. And, and so you lead with the what you do for people, right? Everybody associates that. And if they do know what you do, they're going to associate it. With, I'm an SEO consultant, you might say. And I might say, oh, yeah, I worked with an SEO consultant once. Charged me thousands and thousands of euros for absolutely nothing. All SEO consultants suck. Or I'm a sales trainer. Oh, so you must be a failed salesperson. Or um, I'm a policeman. Well, who wants to speak to a policeman at a party? Right? Nobody. So, so it's even, even if you think, oh, I'm a personal trainer, what could possibly be wrong with a personal trainer? Well, I worked with a personal trainer once, and I had to go to a bloody neurologist and have an MRI because I pulled my back out when I was doing a deadlift. Right? So when we lead with a label, we're not trying to hide from what we do, but we want to control the conversation. So what is it you do? I help people sell more, make more money, and enjoy more free time. And people is a bad example, you know. Ideally, you say, oh, I help small business owners or I help coaches sell more, make more money and relax a bit more. Oh, you should speak to my dad. He's a small business owner. He's always stressed. Oh, you should speak to my son. He's got a small business and he's not sleeping very well at night and he's drinking far too much wine. You know, there are ways and ways to play this. And, and these nuances make the world a difference. And it, they, it almost seems like they make people, you know, they compel people to actually share about it, tell you who needs you, which is great. It's like they're exactly. referring you already. Exactly right. What would an SEO consultant say? Oh, I help people make more money with their websites. You know, oh, well, that's interesting. I, how do you do that? Well, I work in something called search engine optimization, which basically makes it easier for people. Okay, that sounds interesting. Okay, we're not trying to hide it. We're just trying to control the flow of the conversation. And, and frankly, it makes you think a bit more carefully about what you do, how you talk about what you do. Corporate is the worst for this. What do you do? Oh, I uh, implement synergistic solutions across verticals. Oh, you okay. So after, you know, they've decided um, about the niching, are there any specific steps that the Book Yourself Solid system takes you through? Absolutely. So we ask everybody to lay out a sales cycle. Sales cycle means that people can make investments in you that are proportionate to the amount of trust that you've earned. So um, it's crazy to think that everybody has to start with your $5 ebook before they can graduate to your $200 course, before they can graduate to your $5,000 weekend and then your $20,000 coaching annual program. Some people don't want the ebook. Some people just want to have a chat with you, give you $20,000 and get on with it. So instead of a sales funnel, we believe in a sales carousel or a sales cycle, where we're perpetually showing people, hey, which one of these is right for you? Which one of these is right for you? It's not that we don't believe in the funnel. We believe that funnels have a place, but they have a place within the sales cycle. A sophisticated buyer is going to want to see the menu. A less sophisticated buyer might say, well, and sophisticated with, with zero judgment, just might say, I don't know what's best for me. What do you recommend? 
And you're, if you just say, start with my free ebook or start with my $5 ebook, then you're missing a trick. You know, I give, um, I give speech, I used to give speeches pre-COVID mm -hmm. um, all over the world. I think you saw me speak a couple of times. And Indeed. Normally, after I speak, somebody will come up to me and say, hey, Matthew, that was great. I'd like to work with you privately. What does that look like? And I'd be like, oh, it costs thousands of dollars and we've never met before. How do you, how do you know? And they're like, no, 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 I've seen enough. Let's just try it for a few months. It, it will be great. I think I feel that you're my person. I'm like, well, if you insist, you know, I'd be crazy to say, wait, before you do that, give me your email address and get into my funnel. <laughs> I will upsell you, upsell you and put you through a deadline timer. Yeah, that'd be crazy. They're waving a check in your face. They've known you for 20 minutes and they want to give you thousands of euros. Um, we want to make opportunities like that available. But simultaneously, then I'll get back to my hotel room, I'll open my email, and there'll be an email from someone who says, hey, Matthew, I've been on your mailing list for uh, eight years, and I just want to let you know, I bought a copy of your book today, right? So it took this person eight years to spend $10, and it took another person 20 minutes to spend $10,000. And that's why we must have different levels of investment, investable opportunities available to people. Um, it doesn't mean we sell from the from the outset. One of the levels of investment, of course, is investing your time or your email address in somebody. So we also have a strict keep in touch strategy, which means we're monitoring our CRM, we're sending out regular emails, um, we're staying top of mind, we're not being forgotten. We have information products that we build out because they speed up the sales cycle, they sell on our behalf. Uh, we can also use them to sell, um, to make money, but very often they do the job of a a white paper or a brochure or an annual report or a take a takeout menu even you know how do you how do you know what you're going to order from the restaurant if nobody's answering the phone well you use their information product so that you can decide what you're going to buy from them uh, and so we build out various things like this we need to make sure our pricing is good we need to make sure we can sell have a simple sales conversation and then and only then do we look at marketing wow okay so marketing comes at the very end of that Gosh, literally the last thing we do. Gosh, I am very happy you mentioned the whole CRM system thing, because I find that in the coaching world, that is really missing, especially with people who are just starting out. And I like uh, and a lot of people are just reluctant to do it, um, probably because a lot of coaches um, have come from the corporate world and are seeing it as an escape from the corporate world. So they don't want to do CRM. <laughs> At some level, it could be quite intimidating for people to say, oh, I've got to use this piece of software. But really, depending on the type of coaching you're doing and the kind of scale that you have in your marketing business, mm -hmm. um, I think everyone should have some kind of email autoresponder capable tool, whether that's MailChimp or MailerLite or ConvertKit. Or, I, think, I think we'd be... I think it's mandatory, basically. Our keep in touch strategy depends on us being able to write one email that goes out to 5,000 people. It's just one person business is going to spend 10 to $20 a month uh, on, on maintaining a relationship with hundreds of people. Of course you would. But for the one-to-one -one sales follow-up, let's say that you're one of the coaches whose entire business is just five clients and a telephone. Right? And I've got many of those in my world. Five clients and a telephone, one to two days a week, six-figure business. So five clients will give you two to $5,000 a month, and you just maintain them time and again. You don't need to do too much scale in terms of selling. So I recommend in that instance, if you're doing one-to-one -one sales, a, a spreadsheet is perfect for a CRM. You have one column with name, one column with notes, and one column with date last contacted. 
And you just make sure that nobody was contacted less than however many days ago, two days ago, three days ago, 30 days ago. It's a very, very simple system that allows you to not miss out on your next to-do. Well, that sounds great. I'm sure that at this stage, everyone's thinking, oh, you know, where can we find Matthew and how can we work with the Book Yourself Solid system? But before we tell them, I'd like to ask you one final question with, that I ask every guest. Um, and I know you mentioned marketing comes in the end, um, but the question is, of course, since this is a content marketing show, um, is there a piece of marketing, um, a piece of content that you have created over the many years that you have had probably different lives as an online entrepreneur um, that really stood out for you, that was that really moved the needle in your business? Is there one piece of content that you can remember? I think the best kind of content uh, marketing pieces also sell. They pre-sell. So there's congruency between what somebody experiences when they're going through your marketing and what you ask of them later. Uh, it avoids the bait and switch. You know, marketing might be, come and take my free quiz to find out what kind of personality type you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get to the final page. It goes, great, to get your results, give us $300. You know, that's, <laughs> there's the lack of congruency there. There's complete yeah. opposite. Uh, or I've, I've, I've worked with many, many clients over the years who come to me and said, we've set up these funnels. We're getting loads and loads of leads, but we're not making any sales. There's zero congruency between the kind of sale that they want to make and the kind of lead that they're generating because their marketing isn't doing the job. So in my personal experience, the best piece of marketing I've ever put out there was a sales page that people couldn't stop talking about um, because it was a marketing slash sales piece. But the minute it went out into the world, people were like, this is the best thing I've ever read. It's been ripped off a dozen times. People refer to it. People acknowledge it. Um, a very well-known copywriter recently launched a program and actually gave me a credit at the bottom of their sales page for inspiring their sales page. And that is found, you can find that today at singlemaltmastermind.com. Singlemaltmastermind.com. Uh, it doesn't, it's not for sale anymore. It's not available anymore but the sales page is still there for prosperity's sake. Oh, brilliant. We'll make sure that goes in our show notes. Excellent. Brilliant. So um, thank you very much for being with us, Matthew. Would you like to let our audience know where they can find you? And I believe you have a freebie for us as well. I do. So you can find me in a dozen places, uh, but to keep things very simple, I would recommend that you go to marketingforcoaches.com and you download my guide, five things you need to do every morning to get more coaching clients in the next 60 days. You can also Google me and you find me all over the place, but marketingforcoaches.com is the easiest one to remember. And I will start to correspond with you delightfully and we'll become best pals. And you can send me postcards when you're on vacation and I'll do the same. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you for being with us. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Stephanie. The pleasure was entirely mine. I'll come back anytime. Thank you for listening to the Profitable Content Marketing Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share it with friends and colleagues and anyone you think is going to find this useful. If you'd like to give me some feedback or a question, leave a review on iTunes or a comment on the YouTube channel. 
Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. Whatever you do, make sure you don't miss the next episode because we have more juicy content coming your way. See you in the next episode.